It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 48. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. We're talking Gopher football again this week, and we have a unique, what I'd call hybrid podcast. We have current Gopher wide receiver Clay Geary and former Gopher tight end Ben Utek with us. We'll talk about this year's Gopher football team, the big win over Wisconsin, the upcoming bowl game at Yankee Stadium, and much more. We'll also talk to both of these great Gophers because they work together in a unique environment at True North, the parent company of our great podcast sponsor, Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Ben is the chief culture officer while Clay is winding down an internship, which has led him to be ready to start a full-time job at Sunbelt at the start of the year. So we find out the unique approach of True North and how it resembles that of Gopher football and its culture as well. Our Go Gopher podcast is indeed presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. The Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm is also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, making it easier with local financial experts available to help in person or virtually. Learn more at affinityplus.org slash go gophers. They have a top-ranked mobile app as well, and they sponsor our player profile each week. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. I invite you to subscribe to our podcast. It's free to click the subscribe button. You can listen at any time. You can also go back and listen to our previous podcast. That includes last week's show, where we had the first in-depth interview of Gopher quarterback Ethan Kelly McManus, and we love that conversation. Trust me, it's worth going back to listen to. This week, we're talking Gopher football once again. It's the Go Gopher podcast number 48, former Gopher tight end Ben Utek, and current Gopher wide receiver Clay Geary. Our conversation is next. I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for Gopher football. And I'm Ben Utek, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. To learn more about True North and our diverse family of independently owned companies, visit truenorthequitypartners.com. Hey, Gopher fans, this is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be part of the new Mike Grimm Show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm Show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900 or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. 
Welcome back. It's episode 48, the Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm, and we are thrilled to have with us a former Gopher pass catcher and a current Gopher pass catcher. Ben Utek was with the Golden Gophers from 2000 to 2003, had a great career had, uh, in terms of receptions, uh, 15 touchdown receptions, and then played four years with the Indianapolis Colts, won a Super Bowl, and uh, is a Minnesota native, and he's guest one. Ben, glad to have you on the show. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. And we have the current Gopher pass catcher, Clay Geary, who was with us. He's one of those guys that we can't get rid of him, man. He's been around forever, seven years as a Golden Gopher football player. Had that great touchdown catch against Colorado this year. He'll be playing at Yankee Stadium here later this month. Clay Geary, Lakeville South. And Clay, good to see you. Great to see you. And part of uh, the reason we bring you together, because I think a couple, two or three listeners might be going, well, okay, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to hear from Ben and hear from Clay, but why are they on together? And the the answer is one of our sponsors of the show, our chief primary sponsor, is Sunbelt Business Advisors under the umbrella, the total umbrella of uh, True North. Uh, and both of you guys have a role within that company. So we're going to talk some football. We're going to find out what you guys do for that company and what the culture's like in that company as well. And we'll start with Ben. After your NFL career, I know you have done a lot. You have so many great interests. You're a great family man. You've sung the national anthem at various events. You've put out <laughs> albums. You've caught touchdown passes. You've played in in a Super Bowl. And now, uh, after all of that, you are uh, working with our friend Brian Slipka, who helps us with this podcast and all kinds of great gopher uh, causes and just really good charitable uh, items all over the, the state of Minnesota. Um, how did you guys get connected and what is your role with Sunbelt? Well, you know, uh, my academic passion actually in, at the University of Minnesota was was communications and, and not because it was the typical easy ath- athlete degree <laughs> that everybody <laughs> loves to to joke around about, but but actually, Mike, because you know, I I grew up watching my dad as a pastor get up and talk to people every weekend, and 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 learned about the power of words, and so I always knew that I wanted to to be a speaker, and and so as I retired from the NFL, I kind of stepped back and realized how special it was to have been on that Super Bowl championship Colts team with. Hall of Fame head coach Tony Dungy, Pate Manning, uh, even our, even our, um, even the general manager of the team, Bill Polian, is in the Hall of Fame. So it it really is a is an impressive uh, organization, and and so I began to take all of these powerful lessons out of that championship culture um, and begin to, you know, create programs and and figure out ways to actually bring those principles into into other organizations and that that's in part what I've been doing over the last 10 years and so my friendship with with Brian Slipka uh, really turned into an opportunity to come alongside his passion and his organization uh, to do the exact same thing right to create that uncommon Tony Dungy culture that that was so powerful in Indianapolis. And what are some of the pillars of that that you um, use, one, in your own life, but two, as you try to help guide? Uh, and, and when we talk about Brian, it's not just guide a company, it's guide companies, right? Uh, because uh, he, of course, uh, has his hand in a lot of different things. Um, what, what are some of the pillars that, that you learned uh, over the course of your time that you now uh, try to implement within, within, one, your talks when you talk to people, and two, within these companies? Well, when it, when it comes to the talk, you know, I, it, it was really difficult because, in, and you know this, Mike, the, the power of sports um, produces a lot of great life lesson 
opportunities, right? There's so many principles to consider and, and I had to try and synthesize those. And, and when I do my presentation, I really focus on these four foundational beliefs around uh, what does it mean to be a champion listener, a champion learner, a champion language user, someone who can communicate clearly and effectively. And, and then surprisingly, um, uh, the last principle is love. What does it mean to respect and value your team members deeply? And and uh, it, it might sound odd to incorporate that word into a football locker room, but I promise you, and you can ask Clay the same question. You know, there there is a brotherhood that exists. There's a that brotherhood really does exist around you know companionate love. What does it mean to just truly value someone deeply? And so, you know, those those are what I speak about to inspire people to believe that the human condition at work is is ultimately what what culture is and so when when brian slipka asked me to be his chief culture officer the the idea was we need to take the secret sauce that comes out of brian and the leaders that he's put into place and we need to make an objective chosen culture and that's what we did and we built out True North's first ever organizational creed that's built on integrity, trust, humility, wisdom, execution, accountability, commitment, and love. Those are those are the founding non-negotiables of the True North way. And and so we've we've built that and now we're gonna spend, you know, as much time as it takes to to, to use those in a highly effective and impactful way. And Brian has talked a lot about, I think the term he uses, and we've talked about it a lot, is servant leadership. So he's in a position where he can he can serve. Um, and, and you get in that with the company culture as well, and I know that's part of what you're doing. Uh, take us through servant leadership and what that means to, um, to you and the company. Man, that's everything. That, that, that really was the Dungey way. It, 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 um, the belief is that if you build better men, you get better football players. And this is the Fleck way as well. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds, I really, yeah. It's, yeah, it's one thing I really re- respect about PJ, um, above, really above all else, is that uh, it's not just a game. It's about the transformation of people. And Clay can speak better to this than anybody. But if, if you... If you pour into the human condition, Mike, if you if you pour into creating deeper value and purpose in people's lives, then they'll give you everything they've got. And that's where you get the full commitment uh, and, uh, you know, devotion, loyalty out of people. And and that's ultimately what what uh, servant leadership is designed to do is improve the human condition at work. And uh, that's the foundation of Brian's entire company at True North, right? And he, he likes to focus on um, what does it mean to encourage, equip, collaborate, and uplift people? And, you know, that's something that he takes very seriously and he practices in his own life. And if he can build an organization around that foundation, um, then not only is he building good business, but more importantly, he's building he's building better lives and he's giving people a chance to you know, to, to grow and to thrive themselves. And that's ultimately the goal. It's funny you mention it that way because uh, even today I was in on a, a Zoom news conference about the Pinstripe Bowl and P.J. Fleck and Dino Babers, uh, the two head coaches involved in this game, uh, were among several people that talked and they both talked about that idea. And P.J. had a line in there, which we've heard him say before, is if I can create better people, 
they automatically become better football players because of what you just <laughs> talked about. They become reliable. They become dependable. They become people you can love. Um, they'll pour into it. They're unselfish, all those things. And and I guess we'll ask a guy who's been in the middle of it now, a seven-year player, right? And uh, six of those have been with head coach P.J. Fleck, Clay Geary. And uh, take us through kind of the – maybe you see some similarities between uh, – well, first of all, let's do this. Let's set the stage as to what your role is with, uh, with True North and with Sunbelt uh, currently. And it sounds like you have an exciting – future with them too once your uh, once your uh, playing days are finally over with that game at Yankee Stadium. Clay, good to see you by the way. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, currently right now I'm interning under the uh, True North Holding Company. So I'm working with Brian and uh, the True North Equity Partners team. Um, really the list of duties is, is endless. I mean, it can you know range from data gathering to, you know, stewardship of all the portfolio companies that um, that, you, that you mentioned, but uh, it's it's been a it's been an awesome experience. You really are thrown in um, to the fire and are forced to you know have creative problem solving and rely on this this culture creed that we've established and really have it guide the way that um, we act. And so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the future where I'll I'll be at Sunbelt starting. January 2nd as a financial um, analyst. And, uh, you know, the culture is, the culture is infected every um, company under True North. And uh, one thing that Coach Fleck talks about, like you mentioned, I'm sure you, I could probably draw a lot of similarities between, you know, the road boat culture and True North and couldn't be more true because, you know, what we talk about in the football facility is, you know, not being affected by you know, the outside world and rather infecting the rest of the world. And the, the same goes with, with true North. You know, we have a, a proactive culture that is a, you know, a chosen culture like Ben mentioned, and we're out here to um, infect other people with, you know, the positivity that, you know, this culture brings. And so it's been, it's been a lot of fun for me to transfer essentially from, you know, coach Fleck and his leadership to Brian's and, um, be able to use all of the tools that, you know, Coach Fleck has equipped me along the way. It seems too. I know it's not. It doesn't seem. I know for for a matter of fact that uh, that PJ Fleck and Brian Slipka have gotten to be fairly close too through their connections, uh, through I think similar beliefs, but also just through Brian being a big Gopher fan and alum of the university, and and uh, and their sponsorship of different things have gotten them into the same places to the point where they are friends now. And I'm sure they share similar philosophies, like, hey, this has been working for us, and this has been working for you, and what do you think about this? And I found this is an impact and um, do you do you see that clay when uh, when you go between the two buildings now when you're in Sunbelt or True North and then when you're back at the uh, football complex yeah I mean I'm really in the same culture it's just different environments and uh, you talked about creating you know better people who then you know turn into better football players and you know the first pillar of uh, the row the boat culture of the hyper culture is the H which is the how you know, that starts with the people, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so when you develop better people that are more dependable, um, people that embody that servant leadership, that selflessness, the family, forget about me, I love you. I mean, there's so many different similarities that I can draw from the locker room to the business field. And um, it's, it's special that I get that perspective. And I feel super blessed and fortunate to be um, in, in a culture that is uh, is proactive and, and it goes out and infects people with um, you know its pillars. 
And when we think about that, the uh, one of the things over the course of of years, and Ben, you can speak to this as well. Although in Tony Dungy's case, you know, it's his approach has at times almost been low key but motivational. And I know you and I have talked about this at different events in the past, where he would, uh, you know, he would go through a practice and and not curse and and go through things and say, "I can teach without having to do that." Not, not to say that coaches who do, and we've been around a few who have, are wrong. <laughs> it's just it's just a different approach. And um, and I, I'm not going to say that PJ Fleck is curse free, so to speak, in, in a practice <laughs> or two. Um, he can certainly uh, uh, let a guy know that hey, uh, the, the level has not been met, and we expect a higher standard. And and that that's certainly how you coach guys. But that said, um, as it goes through, and as you see this uh, this kind of common theory, um, one thing over the time is that PJ has talked about in his case, and I'm wondering how that might relate to the business world, is that his program is not for everyone, that this is the way we do it, this is the way we like it, this is how it works for us, and if you want to be a part of it, you're going to get on board and you're going to have success. And if it isn't quite a fit, and he says it ain't for everybody, um, then then maybe you need to find a different program, go play football somewhere else. And I wonder if in the business world there's not some similarities, Ben, with that, and not to say that, oh, you're just going to fire somebody, but um, there, there has to be, uh, you know, this kind of common uh, thinking, right, across the, the, the spectrum of a company. Not to say you can't be diverse and can't have different thoughts and all of that, but there there does have to be at some point, to use PJ's term, you all got to kind of roll in the same direction. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good way to frame it, Mike. You know, one of the things I've learned um, over some, some really um, special mentorships that I've been blessed to have the last 10 years with a couple of different chief people, people officers in the fortune 100, you know, obviously in that level, you're dealing with tens of thousands of employees. And so, you know, diversity, equity, inclusivity, this is obviously a very important theme in corporate America today. Uh, and so what, what does culture actually look like when you have to onboard that type of talent? And, and I think that the way I like to describe it is that you're you're really giving an inclusive invitation to an exclusive opportunity, right? And and that's to say that every company is going to have its identity, right? And and ultimately, you want people to find a home um, that supports and helps them grow and develop their identity into its peak performance. And if a person comes into a company or, or onto a, a football program even, and that culture is not a fit, it's going to be very challenging for them to grow and to, and to thrive. And so, so I do think that there's actually it's – it's important to understand that, that um, kind of the exclusivity that exists around a chosen culture, a chosen and practiced belief system is a really great quality to have because – the, the more defined that can be, the better chance you give people in the talent acquisition process um, an opportunity to, des- to decide if this is a, the right fit for them. And that's, that's ultimately what, what you want to do so that you decrease turnover and increase sustainability. Right. And that's true for a football team as it is for a company. 
Yeah, and you think about a football team um, all wanting the same goal, and that is to win a football game on Saturday, go to a nice bowl game, as this team will do, and yet you think of that locker room, there's 100 guys in there, and um, some from, well, all of them are from different places, obviously, unless, you know, unless you're the, you know, Ethan Kelly, McManus, and Dino, they're from the same house, but, um, and, and there have been other brothers, but you get my point, is that they're all from different places, many are from different, um, uh, you know, economic backgrounds, different states, different areas, uh, different races, different religions even. Um, but yet uh, because of the of the main message, the the, the common thought um, it, it, that there's a goal at the end of it and we can all get there, um, there's some some things to be learned from that. And I think the college football locker room is one of the most unique places, you know, and you think about it on the planet uh, with all these different melting pots of people getting together for the same goal. And if you're all on the same page, you can do special things. And Clay, maybe you can talk about this year's version of the Gophers and and what that locker room was like. Yeah, I mean, this year was one of the more connected teams that I've been a part of. And, you know, we have a saying, the more the more connected, the most connected team is the most dangerous team. And it couldn't be more true in in football and in in the business world, um, because it doesn't matter the level of talent you have. Um, It's about, you know, how quickly can you get everyone in alignment, rowing in the same direction at the same speed at the same time? And, um, you know, it's, it's about execution from a team standpoint rather than an individual standpoint. I mean, you can have 10 guys in the field, you know, do their job and one guy messes up and it ruins the entire play. Um, and so I, I just think, you know, again, like there's so many parallels that you can draw from business world and the football field, but, um, yeah, with with this team that uh, that we had this year, it was, it was special. And you know, we didn't we didn't do uh, we, we didn't necessarily you know have an undefeated record. Um, you know, but it, it's not about the result. And that that's one thing that I've learned in in the row the boat culture is that we don't focus on the result. We focus on the process and uh, the journey getting there because you know you, that that's where a true character is developed. And um, that, that's where your soul is developed effectively. And I mean, that you carry that throughout with you throughout the rest of your life. And um, if, if you're out here chasing the result, chasing, um, you know, the end goal, you're, you're never going to be satisfied. And um, you're always going to be, you know, you're going to feel like this isn't, that didn't fulfill me. We went undefeated, but I, I don't feel fulfilled. I feel like there's something I can still do. And that's because, you know, the process wasn't the most important thing. Enjoying every single day in the locker room with these guys wasn't the most important thing. It was about the win. And so I, I look back in this team and every single guy, you know, um, and you're going to have outliers, but the majority of the team is, you know, for each other and selfless. And, you know, we don't all have to like each other, but we have to love each other. And uh, I, I just, it, it was special to be part, to be a part of that locker room and, it made coming back for a seventh year all the more worth it. I mean, that, that's why you play football is for, you know, the guys next to you. I mean, that's the, the greatest part about it. You're playing for the man next to you, not for yourself. This isn't an individual sport. It's a, the greatest team sport there is. And um, I, I, again, like I, I, I look at True North and the umbrella of companies under, under True North and every single company represents the same values when it comes to a team standpoint, everyone's connected, everyone's selfless. I mean, you look at Sunbelt, they're, uh, you know, they're business brokers and uh, it's a competitive environment where you eat what you kill. 
but um, you, you wouldn't find a more connected company. Everyone is, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, again, like they have, they have results that they shoot for every, everyone's going to have a result and goals, but it's not about that. It's about the process and relationships and developing relationships with, you know, these small business owners that they're working with and, you know, taking the value of stewardship that true North embodies to ultimately preserve the, you know, the legacy of these companies. It's great. Ben, what do you remember, too, about the locker room, whether it was here at the University of Minnesota or with uh, the Indianapolis Colts and and in regard to what you took from that and then put together, uh, you know, what, what you now do for a living? Well, man, I mean, I think the foundation of so much of it was there. You know, here, here's what uh, one thing I'll say that I think is really um, uh, powerful to to understand is a difference. And the difference is um, practice. And one, one thing that's always kind of an eye-opener for uh, corporate executives to, to ponder maybe for the first time is that, you know, in the NFL, in college football and in the NFL, you practice 95% of the time to, to play 5%, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're six days a week practicing every minute of every single day intentionally designed, you know, to improve your weaknesses to perform a three hour football game. But then you know that of the three hours as an offense, you're, you're only out there 45 minutes of that three hours in totality, right? So all of that practice in order to become the best you possibly can be to perform for 45 minutes a week um, is the reality of, of professional sports. Uh, But in the business world, it's the complete opposite, right? You might get 2% of development or practice opportunity, you know, for, for life skills or for these types of principles that, that truly improve the human condition. And so therein lies, therein lies the importance of the how, and Clay talked about that, that, you know, everything that I do in culture revolves around the what, why, and how, and it's the how in which you truly build a successful culture. How do you practice these non-negotiable beliefs and values in order to truly develop them in yourselves so that they can actually have an impact on your behavior. And if, we, if you don't actually practice it, then it's literally just words on a page. Um, and unfortunately, that's, I think, traditionally, that's, that's what most value statements are, right? It's, it's going way beyond that to build out an entire game plan that you can practice to make it, to make it effective. Real quickly, I want to get in another word for one of our other sponsors on the podcast here, and that is Affinity Plus. It's your local credit union, proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. As a current Gopher student or a proud Gopher alum, you're eligible to join this financial. Wanting to build a meaningful banking relationship and put you first, you can meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide, including right off campus in Minneapolis. To learn more or find another way to connect, go to affinityplus.org slash gophers. That's affinityplus.org org slash go gophers affinity plus federal credit union federally insured by ncua and they're also doing great work they do so much for the special olympics minnesota we're having a um on campus a um, uh, some recognition for some of the different cool special olympics athletes uh, at each one of the events and uh, affinity plus is helping with that as well they do the polar plunge and a bunch of other stuff in addition right now we're talking with clay geary current golfer ben utech former golfer it's the go gopher podcast and we're glad you're with us here hopefully you're enjoying some of this 
conversation. So much to learn from these two guys that have been through cultures and Clay Geary, uh, you know, to be uh, young again and to think about the future you have and the experience you've had. Seven years of college. I, I just love it. It's great. I, I think back to when I was in college and at the time I'm like, I can't wait to get out. I'm ready to go f- to the real world. And now I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I'd have had seven years. That would have been fun to uh, to stick around. So <laughs> so you're living the dream, my friend. And, and then to have a work waiting for you when you're done is even better. So uh, congrats on all of that. But let's talk about the 2022 Gopher football team for just a little bit if we can. Um, and uh, Clay, since you're a member of that team and have been an impactful player on that team in a bunch of different ways, we talked about the touchdown against Colorado and uh, some of the other things and some really cool wins. The win at Nebraska, 20 points in the second half to come back. And you were on the field for some of that. And then the Wisconsin game, of course, is always that's one of my favorite memories whenever you beat Wisconsin in any sport it's a big deal but um, let's talk about that first uh, Clay Geary uh, getting Paul Bunyan's axe for a second straight year what uh, and knowing that for the final time in your career uh, on the football field in the regular season against those guys you got to keep it what, what was that day like yeah I mean that that was special I, I just got chills even <laughs> listening to that I mean that that's a it's one of the greatest rivalries in college football I mean that that's something that you'll remember the rest of your life. And uh, in my in my uh, time at, at the U of M, I've gotten axed, you know, three times. Not many players can say that um, who are still alive, I guess. But um, it's, uh, it's special because I look at all the work that this team has put in and, um, you know, the way that our season went uh, and then to get, get a win against Wisconsin last game of the year, um, with all the adversity we faced, we came together and, and got the win to bring the ax back to Minneapolis. Like that, that was special. I mean, it, again, like it's all about everything that led up to that point. Um, that, that's what made it so special. And yeah, I just, I love this team. I love this group of guys and they earned it. I want to ask you too. Um, the the guy that leads your wide receiver room, in addition to you, is Chris Altman Bell. Of course, he suffered that knee injury in the Colorado game. He's still been around practice. I, I remember the day he had surgery. Uh, we were leaving to go to Michigan State, I believe, that day. That that day, and um, or maybe it was Wednesday of that week. And he stopped at practice before surgery because he just wanted to come and and see you guys. Um, and then as the year progresses, you see some guys step up. You you have stepped up, and then on that final day, Lamecki Brockington steps up with uh, just this great touchdown play right down the middle of the field. He was not going to be denied. I didn't know he had that burst in him. He did, and it was incredible. I mean, what about that receiver room and how it all kind of all developed this season? Yeah, we just have so much uh, depth in that room. I mean, one guy goes down, another steps up. It's a next man up mentality, and like we're always going to be prepared and ready for the task, and that we can attribute that to you know, Coach Simon, who gets us, you know, more than prepared for every single week. Um, but with Lamecki, like, I knew it was only a matter of time. And when I saw him catch that ball, I was like, oh, he's gone. Like, everyone in on our team knows how fast Lamecki is. And uh, I call him dirt track because he actually grew up uh, running on horse tracks and uh, racing. And so, like, he is – he is fast as can be. And uh, when I saw him catch the ball and take off, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, he's scoring for sure. There's no doubt. Well, and, uh, yeah, that, that was that was awesome. I couldn't have – that was one of, uh, you know, the most ecstatic moments that I've had in a game, to be honest. 
Well, and if if anyone gets a chance to hear the the uh, the radio call of that, uh, I uh, actually Justin Gard when he heard the highlight played back later, he's like, "Man, uh, you were really excited." I'm like, "I was just in shock <laughs> that it was." Of course, I'm going to be excited because I, I I loved the play, but I was I, I did not. I mean, I watch practice, and you don't get a chance. I, I do think people sometimes misunderstand what practice is about. Ben mentioned it. Ninety five percent of your time is spent on the practice field, but. Even within that time, there isn't, frankly, and at least in my amateur observation, a lot of time for guys just to make a statement in practice. Once the season starts, it's a lot of scouts. It's a lot of, hey, here's yeah. what we want to do in this situation. So honestly, I, you know, okay, Lamecki's going, and I'm watching. I'm like, he's going to get to the 30 or so, and uh, first down, got the first key, and he just run. So the the surprise in my voice, um, I, I'm it uh, it was sincere. I, I guess I'm proud of the call only in the sense that it was one. Of course, you're going to get excited, but two. You could hear the sincere, like, holy crap, this guy is gone. Like, man, down the center of the field. So it was pretty cool. And I don't know, Ben, if you got a chance to watch the uh, watch oh, that yeah. game. And uh, what what a uh, – I mean, it was like a lightning bolt. It's just like – awesome. It was great. Yeah. And and uh, so, Ben, what were your thoughts when you were watching that? <laughs> uh, I felt the same way you did, Mike, man. It was – it was pretty special, you know, and I mean, anytime you catch that, anytime you catch that slant and, and break the safeties, I mean, that's just, it's such an awesome highlight. And so I was just really happy for him. And, and just even hearing Clay tell, you know, anytime you get to learn a little bit more about someone's life, you, it just, it just makes it even more meaningful. So to just to hear where he came from and how he grew up running and, and then it translates over to the field, man, that's, that's a, that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. And I also think it's cool that Clay, Ben, uh, shared it with just true joy. Because, you know, sometimes, particularly maybe at the pro level, but, you know, uh, Clay and Lamecki could be fierce competitors. They both want to play. They both want to catch passes. Uh, they both want to score touchdowns. But there was true, uh, sincere joy as Clay was describing that. And I think that's pretty cool. You talk about the love of a team. Mm. Yeah, that's, re- listen, that's a that's something that's really unique about, you know, being a part of a of a football program is, is, um, especially one that is led by coaches like, like PJ is, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating environment because you're right, Mike, everybody is competing to play. Um, and yet to do that with, you know, humility and empathy is that's a, it's, it's a, it's a weird combination to talk about because, you know, you want to be a starter, uh, at the same time, you care a lot about the people you play next to. So it's a it's a really powerful combination, which is why Clay was right when he when he talked about um, you know the hardest team to to dismantle is is the family. Yeah, the connected team, no question. Um, I thought too the impressive part of that play was one we mentioned it's a lightning strike, but if if you recall, and I think I'm recalling this correctly, the previous two series I believe were both three and outs, and I think the immediate previous series was two sacks. And you're like, oh, this thing might be going the wrong way here. Uh, Gophers did tie it 16-16, and then um, you're thinking, uh oh. And I thought to have uh, Ethan Kaliak Manis, the redshirt freshman, again in another tough spot, right? Hey, go uh, go play at Penn State in your first start and then uh, get thrown into that Nebraska game at halftime and score 20 points and 
bring the team back and and maybe that test that day helped him in this test in Madison but Clay you can talk about it obviously you've been in the huddle with him uh, what's it like uh, f- to have Ethan in there obviously learning under Tanner and then to have him respond after I mean the sacks likely weren't his fault although when I had him on the podcast last week he said the second one probably was he didn't slide up in the pocket like he should have and uh, took responsibility for it but you get the point uh, it, it, it could be easy to get down and he just comes out and he threw a strike to Brevin then he throws the strike to uh, Brockington and it's a touchdown and it's a win uh, what's what's it been like watching Ethan develop when he got his chance here yeah I mean he you can tell that he's a resilient person and uh, you know whether he developed that you know as a young kid you know throughout high school playing football um, and then on scout team like he's been nothing but resilient and has risen above you know the occasion like he is um, he's really he has really impressed the entire team and um, just to being that calm under pressure as you know such a young guy who has a limited amount of experience he stepped in there like you know a seasoned vet and that's what a team needs you know you need the quarterback's the leader of the room and Tanner has you know been one of the best leaders that I've been around and uh, Ethan has learned so much from him and you you see it really um, you know shed light out there on the football field and uh, it's it's about you know his his composure resiliency um, just his ability to stay cool and and focus on the next play you know next play mentality where you know it doesn't matter what happened play before because you know we have another opportunity to um, improve so yeah I mean it was the feeling on the sideline was it it wasn't oh no like you know three and out um, because again, like I'm, I'm around these guys. Like I, I know I'm like the back of my hand and uh, I, I know the types of, uh, I know the mindsets that they all have and um, the type of hearts that they have. And it was only a matter of time until um, we stepped up to the plate and uh, really capitalize on opportunities in that game. I think one of the cool things too, PJ mentioned it in the post-game interview with with uh, Justin Guard that um, the play that was the touchdown play, and Clay, you can certainly speak to this because you have played in that spot, um, the read technically should have been a run, apparently, with whatever the guidelines are, and we don't want to give away too much of, of whatever the game plan is, but um, sometimes you just have a feel, sometimes the receiver has a feel, and the throw um, happens, and it's a touchdown, and the read was supposed to maybe be a run, and sometimes you have to do that. And uh, for a freshman to just say, "All right, I, I, the, the, the look is here," and I think Ethan even said, "Like I, all I looked, I looked up, and all I saw was grass. I had to throw the ball, and boom, there it is." So, and I don't know all the cover two. PJ got into the cover two and all that stuff. You guys know all of that, but uh, uh, without giving too much away, kind of take us through what might have been going through the minds of both those guys on that game-winning play. Yeah, I mean that's the beauty of being a younger player because he has he really hasn't had a full off season to be prepared to start, and so he he's just out there playing football. You know, this it's like <laughs> backyard football out there just making plays, and that that's the way it should be. You know, like you have um, you know there's a game plan and uh, there is a strategy to every single game, but at the end of the day, it's about execution. And, you know, can we ex- – it doesn't matter what play is called, but can you execute it? And sometimes you have to think a little bit outside the box, even when, um, you know, your reads aren't right. And, uh, you know, you're not necessarily supposed to throw the ball, but, you know, he's a patient player. He's patient under pressure, and he waited for that second window, and he, 
he threw the ball. And um, it actually happened a handful of other times during the game, and they're all big plays. I mean, he's just he's just out there playing football, playing the game that he loves with the teammates that he loves, and there's nothing more special than that. Uh, the Nebraska game, I wanted to ask you about that because you were, uh, I think you got more reps in that second half in, in that game too. Um, and I, I distinctly remember you you're, you kind of become the motion man there sometimes and, and, and can do different things off of that, blocking some too, I think, with that. Um, what was that second half like to score 20 straight points? It didn't look great at halftime at 10 nothing, but man, the defense um, buckled in after those first two drives and then the offense got it going in that second half. Yeah, that was a great statement in our season because you know it proved that we can come back and we can be a resilient football team. And that's you know everything that this team and this culture stands for is um, being resilient and uh, rising to the occasion and you know attacking adversity. And that that it couldn't it couldn't have been more apparent in you know three hours against Nebraska. And uh, you know we're down going into halftime. It's what the biggest. Um, you know, usually I think the last time we came back from a, a deficit that big was what you would probably know. This yeah, I, I did know it at one point. Now you're putting me on the spot, but it was like 2000, uh, I'm going to say 14 or something. Yeah, it, it was a while, yeah, while ago, and, maybe even before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, again, like that, that's, you know, what the outside world is thinking. Um, you know, here we go again. But again, like this team is resilient and they're fighters and we came out in the second half made some adjustments and just executed every single play. Not every play was perfect, but, you know, we did enough to get the job done. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned I, I got some more uh, reps in the second half doing some blocking. Um, essentially, I was uh, filling Co'Keefe's role from <laughs> 2021. So, that I mean, I'll, I'll do whatever is needed for the team to win. It was it was fun blocking for Mo. I mean, any time you get a chance to block for Mo, it's – you know, you're going to put everything out on the line for him. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, I think that the, the, uh, I don't know what, maybe you call it the game ceiling touchdown. Nothing was really sealed until the end, but I think it put you up 20 to 10. That drive, I think that was after the, uh, the tee time interception, I think, if, if memory serves. And it was seven plays, seven handoffs to Mo for the touchdown. And I think Clay Geary was a blocker on a few of those. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I think there was about six plays in a row that we we ran the exact same play, maybe flip sides. Yeah. But um, it was funny, like we're three or four plays into it and uh, I'm getting ready to go in motion again. I, I look across at uh, the Nebraska linebacker sitting on the edge and he's just laughing like because he, he knows I'm coming. <laughs> and it was uh, it, it was like a funny you, you have those funny moments in games where, you know, that brotherly love comes in between. Uh, opposing teams and you just all there you know playing the game that you love doesn't matter um who the other team is like we, we all love this sport and yeah. uh it was just it was kind of funny <laughs> here he comes that. again right <laughs> another, another this guy's gonna block me the handoff's gonna go to number 24 and we'll see if we can try to stop it this time and uh and, yeah, good luck. and good enough for the gophers that uh, they couldn't stop it that's for sure all right so how excited are you for yankee stadium and the pinstripe bowl against syracuse clay yeah, I can't wait. Um, Syracuse is going to be a great matchup. We're really looking forward to playing those guys. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's about us and it's about, you know, the last opportunity that we get to um, make a statement in our season and to end it the right way. And, um, you know, to really 
have each one of these seniors leave their mark and put it all out in the line for their brothers. Um, but we're just, you know, looking forward to this next opportunity. You know, New York is going to be a really great experience. I've never been to New York and uh, especially during Christmas, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun, but we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I was looking today even at the bowl manual. You guys, I think, get to go to a, a Christmas Rocket show as part of the bowl game. I think you get to um, – I say get to. I think it's really cool. I mean, you're probably born after – maybe not because you're one of the older guys, but I'm thinking about the 9-11 memorial um, for, for young kids to understand what that was about. It's hard to believe that's already now 21 or so years ago, but um, I think there's a visit to that. There's some other things that you guys will get to do. And then you play you know, on the field where Aaron Judge is hitting home runs and – um, I mean, that's got to kind of be cool as well. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty special, and uh, there, there was a little uh, just some coincidence with going to um, Yankee Stadium. We, we've been watching as a team and like leadership council and board of directors. We've been watching uh, the Jeter series. Oh yeah, the and captain, uh, yeah. that that's been kind of like a a theme for you know leadership amongst our team and <laughs> we, we joke uh, about, you know, the Yankee way, like their, their culture is so ingrained and it still is to this day. Um, but we, we joke about the Yankee way and next thing you know, we're going to Yankee stadium. So I think it was just a perfect way to, to cap the season. Like it couldn't be more fitting that we're, we're going to, you know, this place that we've been, talking about the entire season. Yeah, so. that, that is pretty cool. PJ mentioned that today, too, about that. I didn't know that that, that you guys were doing that in terms of the leadership stuff with uh, with Jeter, and, and then you get to play on that field. Ben, uh, we're talking about bowl season. Uh, do you have any uh, – what are your memories of bowl games when you were wearing the maroon and gold? Well, we, we, we like to live at the Sun Bowl. That was kind of our thing. <laughs> if you remember when Mason came back and <laughs> yes. turned, to, turned that program around, we seemed to find our way <laughs> El Paso. There. Yeah, quite a bit. We we did have a fun um, Micron PC appearance uh, in Nashville against Arkansas, which was which was great. Um, I just remember, you know, being a part of a program that you know made it back to you know to the to the annual bowl game, which was which was really just such an exciting time for the team to come together and and for the university and so just just r- so thrilled that these guys get to experience that and that PJ's had that type of impact on on the team but it's um yeah I you know obviously just being born in this great state and growing up I I I know that the potential is there and I'm just so excited for when we can put it all together and uh bring back a Big 10 championship and you know cuz it's all there all the pieces are there man yeah. there's 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 nothing that's not missing. Uh, it's it's just it's just getting it all to come together and and um, kind of peak at the right time. No doubt about that. Um, last one for you, Ben. We talked. We started this podcast at the very start of this podcast about uh, your experience with Tony Dungy, and we have you here. So I'd be remiss not to ask you about some of what you took from him, and certainly what you talked about in those uh, in that early part of the podcast was was stuff from him. But do you have some favorite stories or a memory or two that you can share with us about the former Gopher quarterback who turned out to be one of the all time <laughs> great NFL quarterback uh, coaches himself? I should say. You know, gosh, that's a tough, that's a tough question, Mike, because there's just, there's so much, yeah. there's so much, but you know, I, his consistency was, was pretty elite to, to use a PJ term. It, it, there, there, you know, you know, the, the cliche, you know, practice what you preach is you could almost really define coach Dungy by that. I mean, he, he, 
he was one of those rare individuals that um, where his behavior is a, is a is a true and authentic reflection of who he actually really is, both on and off the field. And, and that's that's someone that um, through humility demands respect. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, if you believe all the same things that, that he believes, you really respect him because, you know, of of the way that he, you know, has approached the game and approached his life. And um, one of the things that was interesting, that was pretty powerful about the locker room is when you, most locker rooms are going to have some type of inspirational quote. And Tony's inspirational quote was no excuses, no explanations. You don't win on emotion. You win on execution. And that's something that Clay said earlier too. Yeah. And, um, and that just set the bar right away. And, um, and even though, you know, Dungey is known for his quiet strength and even though he never, um, you know, never used vulgarity as a as a form of of motivation. Um, he demanded excellence, and you, you don't. Th- these aren't soft skills. They're hard, and they're metallic, and they they can hit you with blunt force when they're used the right way. And so, you know, developing you know life skills and and pouring into people, um, you know, really is I think what makes coaches like Tony Dungy profound and and guys like PJ Fleck and. Clay and I have been just blessed to to be in the midst of some of these guys, and it's it's been life changing. It's so cool too. And in, in Tony Dungy's case, and again, I, I've you know I've I've interviewed him a couple times, met him a couple times, just through through my work, and um, it's just been remarkable at what um, what a presence he has. Um, and to be a leader, sometimes I think there are certainly there are leaders who have had high success who you know who are brash or who have to rattle the cage or have to stir the pot, and I don't even think. That necessarily is wrong either. Sometimes you you're not going to be popular if you're a leader. Sometimes the leaders have to make unpopular decisions, right? Um, yep. In Dungy's case, though, it seems like he has almost superseded um, all of that to the point where it, nobody uh, seems to speak ill of him. Nobody seems to say, "Oh yeah, he ran over a bunch of people to get to where he is." Um, it, 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 he's in a, a unique spot to me when you think about uh, some of these great coaches who have accomplished a lot. There's always something where someone's going to say, "Well, he was great, but..." But he also did this, or he was great, and he, you know, took a shortcut, or, or, or treated this person wrong. And it just seems like Dungey doesn't have any of those flaws. And <laughs> and and you would have a better idea. I'm sure there were times behind closed doors where he would, sure. you know, as you mentioned, he'd be demanding. But uh, it seems like it's a unique way in which he would be demanding. Yeah, we, I, 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 I kind of coined it as, um, as the combination of grace and excellence. Right, grace is to act in kindness or clemency while demanding excellence and so you know the consequences never change but it's how you talk about the consequences that that really can change everything and and so he had this way of um, of telling you um, that you're not getting your you're not getting your job done and if you don't get your job done then you might not have a job but you'd still walk away feeling better about yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, right. And that was that was kind of the thing. So, you know, uh, it was effective. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, when I mentioned earlier, sometimes leaders have to make unpopular decisions. I guess the real good leaders like Tony Dungy make unpopular decisions, but they don't seem unpopular because he was so skilled at it. You don't even realize <laughs> yeah. it's an unpopular decision, right? Yeah, that 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 was true. And he and listen, he was a, he was a brilliant football mind, and yeah, and he just he, he knew the game. Um, what one last story I'll share is when we probably had one of the greatest AFC championships in history. This is when we came back to beat the New England Patriots down twenty one at halftime, and 
um, Tony came in at, at, at halftime and gave his presentation and he concluded it by um, uh, we, we had lost the kickoff. So we were, we were um, receiving going into the second half and he proceeded to tell um, he proceeded to tell the team verbatim what would happen on the kickoff. And he, from the catch of the kickoff to where, to where he, uh, I'm blanking on our return man, ran out, out of bounds. And then the next like eight consecutive plays until, until we scored. And it literally happened that way. Wow. G- g- yeah, th- this is written about online. Go ask other. I mean, it was it was prophetic. It was crazy. I mean, he he described verbatim what was going to happen on this kickoff and this drive to score, and then off to the races, and it it happened. And we we came back and and ended up uh, winning with, with seconds left on the clock. So it was it was crazy things like that happening wow. at the same time. Pretty fun. Well, hey, we could go in a whole other hour or two, I'm sure. We, I would even ask you about Peyton Manning, and we could probably do a whole podcast on that. I'm I'm a big Peyton Manning fan, I, and, um, and he's in about every third commercial now when you watch a game. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's uh, doing life insurance. He's doing, I don't know, direct TV or whatever else, but uh, um, I, I, I'd be interested. We should have you back, uh, both Let's you guys it. back, but uh, I know we can uh, talk a whole bunch more, but uh, for this week, this will have to do, and it was so fun uh, catching up with both you guys. Um, so much uh, fun stuff, cool stuff, important stuff happening. Go for football bowl trip. Uh, find out about servant leadership within both the Go for Football program and uh, our, the great folks at uh, at True North and Sunbelt. So, uh, Clay, thank you, and we'll see you on the practice field, and uh, we'll see you out in New York. Thanks for having me. All right, always fun. And Ben, thank you as always. Uh, so so great to catch up and get some of your wisdom imparted on us. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. All right, very good. There it is, episode number 48. My thanks again to Ben Utech and Clay Geary. So much good insight from a football, business, and life perspective. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. The Go Gopher podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com. We're also proud to be supported by Affinity Plus Federal Credit Credit Union, your local credit union throughout the state of Minnesota. Go to affinityplus.org slash go gophers. Affinity Plus sponsors our player profile each week, supporting gopher student athletes. We're also brought to you by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and please be sure right now to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast. It's absolutely free to listen at any time. And please share the link on your social media channels so others can listen as well. We'll talk again next week. Thank you.